Well, it's a pretty big day today, isn't it? What, what's today? Puppy Bowl. Yeah, close. Super Bowl. No, none of you have the right answer. Nancy knows because she was at the first service. It's Mission Sunday. Mission Sunday. And the Anglican Church of North America has, has designated this day, the fifth Sunday in Epiphany, as Mission Sunday. And so this is an opportunity for us to, um, to think about God's call to share the good news of Jesus here and around the world. And as we think about sharing the good news of Jesus today, it's helpful to think about how the early church did this a long time ago. Because the early church was, was very effective in reaching people for Christ. In fact, one scholar estimated that the early church grew approximately 40% per decade for three centuries. I had to double check that. 40% per decade for three centuries. That's an estimate. But that gives you a sense of the kind of explosive growth that happened in the early church and often at a time when there was persecution. And, uh, of course, uh, public preaching was often too dangerous during that time period. Uh, So no Billy Grahams would go out and fill stadiums. Uh, There were no mission boards during that time. No books on evangelistic techniques. But yet the church, church grew. In fact, at one point, the scholar says, after Nero's persecution in the mid-first century, the church closed its doors to visitors. Deacons stood at the door serving as bouncers. How would you guys like to try that, ladies? Deacons stood at the door serving as bouncers, checking to see that no unbaptized person who could be an informer would come in. And yet... The church grew. The early church grew. Why? What happened? Well, a lot of the answer here, and it's not the whole answer, but part of the answer, and a big part of the answer, is the lay people. By the way that they lived their lives, I'm talking about the non-ordained people. The way they lived their lives and their willingness to share Christ drew people to Christ and His church. It was the quality of their lives and their willingness to share with other people, the church grew. Another writer, Michael Green, has written a book called Evangelism in the Early Church. And he calls the laity of the early church the informal missionaries of the church. And he says, in homes and wine shops, on walks and around market stalls, they talked about Jesus and they did it naturally and enthusiastically. And they invited people into their homes and they invited people to church. And that is how the church grew. So I want to encourage us this morning on this big day, Mission Sunday, to find renewed inspiration for being a missionary for Christ. Because we're all called to be ambassadors for Christ. And I want to do that by looking at what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians. This is on page 9 in your bulletin. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 23. Because in this passage, we get something of the, 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 the sense of Paul's zeal for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, of course, had a unique commission given to him by the risen Christ 
to be a Gentile to uh, to be a, a missionary rather to the Gentile community. He had a unique calling and gifting for that. But um, all of us again are called to be ambassadors of Christ. And as we think about what Paul is saying here, his zeal for the gospel, there should be something in us that responds to that zeal. The same spirit that was in Paul is in us. That is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And Paul will go on and say in this letter in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So let's imitate Paul in terms of his zeal and willingness to share the gospel. The first thing I want you to notice here is this sense that Paul has of the necessity of sharing the gospel. This necessity that he has, a compulsion, if you will, to share the gospel. In verse 16, he says, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, no reason for pride, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me. If I do not preach the gospel, Paul is saying there's no grounds for arrogance or boasting about my sharing of the gospel because I can't help it. I cannot help sharing who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for me. The urge of sharing the gospel is what's driving me. It is a burden that's laid upon me. Woe to me if I don't share the gospel. And that that word that is translated here, the phrase uh, laid upon me for necessity is laid upon me. That is the same word that's translated in Acts chapter 27 uh, when it describes a great storm that came upon a ship that was carrying Paul on one of his missionary journeys. And it talks about this storm being pressing upon this ship, laying upon this ship and driving this ship to be to be shipwrecked, ultimately. And, and so that, that's what Paul is, is, is saying. This compulsion to share the gospel, that's what's driving me. Like, like a ship in the wind. Like the wind blowing a ship. This is what is driving me, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So necessity. The sense I have to do this. I need to do this. I can't help doing this. And I wonder, and I ask myself this question, do I have something of this in my life? Something of this burden? Just a small measure of this burden, just a fraction, a drop of this burden that the Apostle Paul felt to share the gospel with other people. Do we have this drive to share Jesus? Do you have this drive when you come across somebody who struggles with addiction and uh, addictive behavior, compulsive behavior, they're ensnared in it? Do you have something of this drive to, to share the freedom? That Jesus offers. You know, when you meet somebody who is crippled with anxiety and depression and worry and fear, don't you have this drive? And isn't isn't there a part of you that says, you know what they need? I have. They need Jesus. They need the hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Think about children being raised in our age, which is filled with relativism, moral relativism, intellectual relativism. It doesn't matter what you believe or what you do. Don't we have a, 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 a isn't there a sense of necessity to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ to guide them with the word of God? The skepticism and unbelief of our age, which leads to despair, hopelessness and nihilism. 
And when we see this around us, I think there's something that rises up within us to say, you know what, we we have the answer. That is Jesus Christ. In Him, there is hope. There is meaning. There is freedom. There is forgiveness. There is eternal life. And so Paul talks about this burden to share the gospel. And I think all of us as Christians have a sense of that burden to greater or lesser degrees. And my admonishment to us and, and really to myself is let's not squelch it. Let's not ignore that sense that we need to get this out. Instead, let's pray for God to increase this sense of a burden to share the gospel with others. That it would drive us for the sake of Christ and the cause of the kingdom. So, a sense of necessity. And then Paul talks about a sense of responsibility. Responsibility. He says in verse 17, For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But it's not of my own will. I have to do this. God's called me to this. It's driving me. And then I want you to key in on what he says at the end of verse 17. I am still entrusted with a stewardship. With a stewardship. Paul felt, Paul knew that God had entrusted him as a steward of the gospel. In New Testament times, a steward was typically a slave. The master, the owner of a, of a household, would put a trustworthy slave in charge of all of his affairs. The financial affairs, the property, even in charge of other slaves. And so they were entrusted with that. They, they weren't the owners, of course, but they had an obligation to serve the master. And so what Paul is saying is that God has made me a steward of the gospel. I'm obligated to God. I'm entrusted by God to give out this message of the gospel. And that is the same with all of us. Uh, God has called us to share his gospel. He's made us ambassadors of Christ. And we have a responsibility to share it. We don't own this message. We can't tamper with the message. We can't change the message. We are recipients of this message and we're called to pass it on. God has entrusted it to us. And he's given us a responsibility and a duty. You know, I, I thought about it this way. If somebody has in, entrusted you with a, a cure that will eradicate a terrible disease and you had an unlimited supply of this medicine, wouldn't you feel like you had a moral obligation to, to uh, give it away to others who need it? You know, to save other people. And, 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 and think about it this way. If somebody made you a trustee of an estate worth millions and millions of dollars and they said in their will, I want you to use this for the good of other people, you would have an obligation, wouldn't you? To use that treasure for the good of other people. And friends, this is what God has given us in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the medicine for the world's greatest disease, which is sin. Jesus is the medicine we have in the gospel, the cure for sin. Jesus is the great treasure. He's the treasure that we all long for. The greatest thing that we long for is to ultimately to know God and his love and to have fellowship with him. And our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. And we have this treasure that the world needs, doesn't understand that it needs this treasure, but we have it. And God has entrusted us to give this out, to be stewards of the gospel. That means that we have a duty. We have a responsibility to share it with others. And Paul understood that. 
So you have necessity, responsibility, and then flexibility in how he shared the gospel and how he related to people from other cultures in order to share the gospel with them. He was flexible in his approach. The message didn't change. But as you look at Paul's missionary journeys and how he interacted with people, you see the message doesn't change, but the method often changed. He was flexible in how he went about it. And that's why he says here, to the Jew I've become as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, the Gentiles, I became as one outside the law. And he makes it clear. I'm not talking about being outside the law of God or outside the law of Christ. I'm talking about being under the the uh, the, the Old Testament law or, or saying that I don't need to be under the Old Testament law with these Old Testament regulations and customs. To the weak, I became weak, verse 22, that I might win the weak. And, and here's the summary. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some and I do it for the sake of the gospel. I'll give you some illustrations of how, how Paul does, did this. Uh, as you look at the book of Acts, for example, in, in, in Acts, when he goes to Athens, which was filled with Greek philosophers and people like to spend time, says, debating the latest ideas of Greek philosophers. And Paul goes into Athens and he begins to dialogue with such people. And uh, at one point, he quoted one of their own poets. He says, even your own poet, poet says, in him we live, that is God. In God we live. In him we live and move and have our being. And he says, now I want you to tell you who this God is. And then he begins to share Jesus Christ with them and talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he established a point of contact with that culture, didn't he? By quoting one of their own Greek poets. And then he used that as a launching pad to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some people said, he's crazy. I don't want to hear him anymore. He's talking about resurrection. What is this? Other people said, I want to hear him a little bit more. Let's listen a little bit more. And some of them became believers. And, and so Paul adapted his message. Didn't change the message, but adapted it in a flexible way uh, to relate to people he wanted to win the gospel to. And then later on in the book of Acts, you see how he interacts with some of the hardline uh, Jewish Christian community. In Acts 21, he goes into Jerusalem, the center of the Jewish Christian community there with James as the leader of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And he met with James. And James tells him, you know, there are some Jewish Christians who feel like you have no respect for our traditions anymore. No respect for our customs. And so Paul, in order to show respect, to these Jews that he wanted to connect to, that he wanted to relate to. He took four men and he paid for four men to fulfill a vow that they made according to a Jewish custom called the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow was a vow that they would make to show their dedication to the Lord. And they would take a vow for about 30 days or so where they would not cut their hair. They would not drink wine or any strong drink. And then at the end of that time period, of that 30 day or so time period, they would go and present to the Lord a sacrifice. And that would be fulfilling their vow, their obligation to the Lord. That was a strong Jewish tradition and custom. And Paul, in order to show these Jewish people that he respected their customs, he paid for those four men to, to pay for that sacrifice. He paid for their sacrifice. 
And so that's an example of him becoming all things to all people. He was flexible in how he related to people and how he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves as missionaries in our day to our culture, to those in our neighborhood, in our workplaces, in our schools, in this neighborhood, the question we have to prayerfully ask is, who's God calling me to reach? Who's God calling us as a church to reach? And considering their culture and considering their culture and their habits of thought, what is the best way to connect to them? And that will require some flexibility and creativity on our part in order to do that. And so we ask questions like, you know, how as a church can we can we reach the next generation, a younger generation? We're working on that. We're involved in ISI on a campus here, Maryville University. We're trying to bolster our student ministry. But how can we do a better job of reaching the next generation, our children and our grandchildren? College and graduate students, what do we need to do in order to reach them? How do we reach people in our culture who've never heard of the term Anglican? They don't know what it means. In fact, sometimes I'll go to the store and if I'm doing church business and I'll use my church credit card and I'll give them the, the letter that says we're a church and nonprofit and all that. And every single time they say, Angelican Church of the Resurrection? Have you gotten that before? Angelican church. Say, no, we're not a bunch of angels. Believe me. You can come to the church and check it out and you'll find it. We're not angels. No, it's Anglican. Well, what's that? Oh, then we've got to do a history lesson and I don't, I don't know. It, it, people, a lot of people don't know what this means. How do we reach people who don't know what Anglicanism is? They don't pronounce it right. They've never heard of the Anglican Church in North America. How do we reach them? How do we reach individuals and families in, in this surrounding neighborhood, in, in this area, which, by the way, is becoming more diverse ethnically? And, and, and I see this as we're in the school system with our kids, that this is becoming a more diverse population. How do we reach new people, new groups of people? And then as we think and we pray about this, the question is, how might our methods need to change in order to enter their culture and connect with them? And I don't have a ready answer to these questions. I'm just saying we have to ask them. We have to pray about them. We have to start thinking like a missionary. And missionaries think about culture and how to connect. The core doesn't change. The message doesn't change. But there's flexibility in how we relate to other people and how we relay the message of the gospel. So let me, uh, let me just close with a few suggestions on this Mission Sunday uh, to spark our imagination and to inspire us to live more missionally. Some of you are already doing these things. Um, this is a way for, for those of you who are already engaged in this to just say, let's, let's keep going. Let's build on our strength. But maybe some of these suggestions will be, will be new to you and will spark some ideas. Most of these suggestions come from a book by Tim Keller on, on mission. But here are some of his suggestions. Some of these are very... Simple, and, and some of them are more creative. First of all, welcome other people into your home. Be, be known in the neighborhood as, as the home that has neighbors in and out of, of that home, a hospitable home. Welcome your neighbors into your home. Take opportunities, especially around maybe the 
the holidays or, or special gatherings uh, in your neighborhood to connect with your neighbors and especially people in need. Neighbors and people in need. Connect with them. Become hospitable. If you have children, get involved uh, at the school. Get to know the parents at the school. Volunteer in your neighborhood. The volunteer groups in neighborhoods volunteer alongside of your neighbors in those kind of groups and nonprofit groups. When your coworker asks you, what did you do over the weekend? Don't just tell them you went and saw a game or you saw a game at home or, or, this, or you watched the Super Bowl. Tell them, uh, tell them you went to church. Tell them you went to church. Let them know that you're a churchgoer and see what happens. Um, you can even, if you want to go a step farther, you can do what I ask my kids to do sometimes. Uh, would you give the sermon summary in a sentence or two? And uh, you can summarize what you learned at church uh, with your neighbor or friend. That's the next step. But let them know that you go to church. Tell them maybe something that happened at church. Invite people to church. Of course, invite people who don't have a church to come with you. And by the way, when you invite people to church, especially if they don't have a church background or you're not sure where they're at with the Lord, please let me know ahead of time that you're bringing somebody to church. I like to know for a couple of reasons. One, I want to pray for them. I, I like to have a heads up so I can pray for that person. And then I want to be sensitive to what I'm saying, especially if somebody's coming from a non-church background. I want to be able to think through how to connect with somebody who doesn't have a Christian background, a Christian vocabulary, a Christian framework. So if you're going to invite somebody to church who's unchurched or hasn't been there for a while, Give me a heads up. Send me a text or an email. That's very helpful. Um, here's some ideas for church events. A Q&A gathering on a, on a topic that addresses problems that people have with the church or Christianity. Talk about those hot button issues and have a Q&A afterwards. Um, how about this? A one-off event such as an artistic forum. Uh, maybe an excerpt from a musical or a short film or an art show, or a poetry reading, and then follow that up with a talk on a Christian perspective on the arts with a Q&A afterwards. One other idea, a book club for non-Christians that gets them talking about Christian themes. So you could read the fiction of Tolkien, or Lewis, or Flannery O'Connor, and, and, and just, again, building a bridge through, through literature and dialoguing with them on Christian themes. You get the idea. We, we have to think intentionally about building bridges with non-Christians, building relationships, listening to them, loving them, and then in the context of a relationship, it becomes much more natural than to share something about Jesus. And I, I think that is what God is calling us to do as a church, is to build those bridges with our neighbors and our friends. So, God, please give us the sense of necessity. God, please renew a sense of responsibility. And by your Spirit, give us creativity and flexibility to carry out your mission. Amen. Amen. Amen.